Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Farm workers, among other laborers, work outside even during wildfires that fill our air with toxic smoke. California law now requires employers to provide mask and safety guidance during those periods of dangerous air, which, you know, we all have experienced. But an investigation by KQED and the California newsroom found that state officials almost never enforce those rules, leaving roughly four million outdoor workers to protect themselves. Despite those failures, Douglas Parker, the former head of Cal- the California Division of Occupational Health and Safety, Cal OSHA, which is responsible for enforcing those regulations, was recently appointed by President Joe Biden to lead the nation's worker health and safety efforts. Here to tell us about what this investigation found, we have Farida Javala Romero, reporter with KQED and NPR's California Newsroom. Welcome, Farida. Hi, Alexis. So... What's the key data that you looked at in this investigation to sort of evaluate how enforcement has gone? Yes. So what we found is that the state, like you mentioned, has almost never cited employers for breaking the wildfire smoke protection rules. So in the more than two years that this regulation has been in place, state inspectors with the agency tasked with protecting workers' safety, known as Kalosha, visited the work sites of just 26 employers, and that led to just 11 violations of the smoke rule cited statewide. And that's according to data we got from Kalosha that covered uh, from July 2019 when the rules went into effect until October 5th, 2021, just a couple of uh, months ago. Uh, Meanwhile, there's nearly 4 million workers in uh, construction, landscaping, warehousing and transportation, and of course, agriculture and other industries with outdoor jobs in the state. Many of these people are low-income workers, people of color, immigrants, and many farm workers in Fresno um, told us that they were left working regular shifts in thick smoke with none of these protections. Could you also look at it where in the state of California there were the most sort of bad air days, right? And Fresno County was at the top of the list. Yeah, so we looked at um, so we looked at the top uh, producing counties in agriculture in the state, um, and Fresno is the top agricultural producing county. 
Um, and it also had uh, the, the most days in this period, in this period when the rules have been in place uh, with an air quality index of 151 or above and uh, during wildfire, intense wildfire season. Um, so uh, that's when these rules are supposed to kick in, you know, uh, when there's smoke in the air and the air quality becomes unhealthy. That's basically like when you look at the map for air quality, and it's like all red, right? <laughs> that would be basically yes. 150 plus. Yes. Yeah. Um, how did Cal OSHA explain the near total lack of citations or even visits to, uh, to workplaces? Yeah, so let me just back up a little bit and just like tell you that Kalosha adopted these rules, um, like I said, in July 2019, because with, it became clear that there needed to be some sort of standard, you know, to try to mm -hmm. prevent outdoor workers from being breathing this really, uh, you know, toxic, what can be really toxic wildfire smoke on the job. And so what employers are required to do is to try to reduce exposure for these workers by moving to moving them to a less uh, smoky place indoors, for example, or offering them N95 masks if they're going to be working in that at space with the unhealthy smoke. The other thing that the rules require them to do is to communicate to workers about the health risks of wildfire smoke in a language that they understand so that they know why it's important to wear the masks. Um, so what Kalosha told us is that, um, you know, we spoke with Dan Lucido, who is now the acting chief there after the former chief, like you mentioned, Doug Parker, went to the Biden administration. He um, uh, was sworn in as head of federal OSHA last month. So what Lucido here in California told us is that she didn't think those enforcement numbers are minimal, that Kalosha uh, is a leader in providing worker protections, including against smoke, and that they could only act when the agency gets complaints by workers and other members of the public about potential violations to the smoke rule. So the data they gave us shows that they received only about 220 complaints, and that's compared to thousands they get for other types of violations. But here's the problem and the way that works. So most of the farm workers we talked to and uh, farm workers that have responded to advocate surveys, hundreds of workers advocates have talked to, didn't know about these protections in the first place. So they couldn't complain about any problems. Uh, plus, Alexis, like, you know, these outdoor you know, industries we're talking about construction and agriculture, especially rely on a huge share of undocumented workers. We're going to be less likely to call, you know, the government and report problems at their jobs because they're afraid of losing their work or get black blacklisted and not get any work. Yeah. Let's hear uh, the voice of one of the people in your story. Uh, farm worker Alejandra Beltran is 44. She's a mom of six, uh, worked picking grapes for raisins and vineyards uh, in Fresno County. And she told you that she worked on October 4th and 5th when the air quality index was 160 uh, or higher on average as wildfires were raging nearby in Sequoia National Park. Let's listen into Alejandra. Personally, me, it affects me on my, you know, my chest, and I get very, like, a horsey voice, and then it produces a lot of cough. Yeah, and if you have to work out in the fields, obviously that affects you more, twice as more. It's not like when you step out, go to the market, and breathe it, and then you're back home. And working, of course, you have to make there your five-hour, six-hour, eight-hour shift outside in the fields. 
Farida, I just wanted to ask you, what do we know about how, I mean, obviously, if you've stepped outside during the really smoky times of the year, you know that something is happening as you breathe that smoke in. But what do we know about uh, what the the long-term health impacts, as Alejandro was pointing out? It's not like if you just walk to the store without an N95, you're out there for eight hours. Yeah, so researchers are still, you know, um, looking into this. But we, um, we do have some information that's uh, generally really troubling about the, uh, the impacts of wildfire smoke. I mean, we're learning more and more about the dangers of it, how toxic it can be to the body. Um, the, it, it's tiny particles in the smoke, um, particulate matter, uh, they call it, uh, that because it's so small, it can really go into your lungs and, and um, sort of like go into your bloodstream. Um, and it's connecting to a lot of respiratory and cardiovascular issues, you know, worsening asthma, heart failure, strokes, and other serious health problems. I do know that the uh, researchers here in the Bay Area are studying the long-term impacts of smoke on firefighters who are mm-hmm. exposed to it, you know, in, in a chronic way, you know, for long periods of time. And it has been connected to lung cancer. Um, so uh, it's not just the... You know, the stuff that that uh, Alejandra uh, was um, describing, like the short term stuff, like your eyes, you know, you, it hurt, like you kind of cry a little or you get cough or you get a sore throat. There's also the problem of this, you know, what happens in the long term when you're exposed to it a ton. Yeah, and that's why these, these protections are in place. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, it seems like all of the science of air quality are pointing in the direction of it's actually worse than we think for the body to breathe these things in, particularly the PM 2.5, those very small particulates that you were uh, talking about. We'd also love to hear from you, forum listeners. Do you have an experience working outside during wildfire season? Or do you have concerns about how California is protecting workers from smoke, especially in these longer worse fire seasons. Give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, that's what you're looking for. And you can email your comments or questions or experiences to forum at kqed.org. I wanted to ask you, Farida, historically, have outdoor workers been as well protected by labor laws as you know people who say worked in factories? Um, you mean like outdoors versus people who work indoors? Yeah, who work indoors. I mean, it, it just struck me that because of the kind of nature of the work, working, mm-hmm. you know, in these kind of dispersed conditions rather than like in cities and also because of the large percentage of undocumented uh, workers in some of these industries that they're just the the labor laws that help some people weren't necessarily even helping the people who were out in the in the fields or, or working construction. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I, I do know that California, you know, has taken steps more and more to protect people outdoors. You know, like you mentioned, many of these workers are really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, like, for example, with the heat illness prevention rules mm-hmm. that the state have, has that are more well known. And that's actually something, um, you know, really interesting for this story as well, because, you know, advocates in the Central Valley and other parts of the state and farm workers themselves told us that those rules of, you know, preventing illness and deaths, because farm workers have died from, you know, being exposed to really high, um, you know, temperatures. uh, um, And, and the state now, you know, really tries to enforce these rules because of that terrible history. 
Um, so they, they're much more aware of those rules of the heat for heat illness prevention because Kalosha and the state has invested a lot more on a huge, massive education campaign about mm -hmm. those rights. Um, and so like, you know, when you drive through the Central, Va through the Central Valley, there's like billboards about that. Um, I used to work at the uh, Radio Bilingue uh, radio network, you know, mm -hmm. in Spanish and other indigenous, uh, they, they broadcast in, in other indigenous languages as well. And there would be PSAs about this, public service mm -hmm. announcements. Um, and, you know, there hasn't been the same type of uh, massive outreach and education about these rules, mm -hmm. the smoke rules. So that's why a lot of people don't even know about it, you know, and I talked to advocates who were like, you know what, I didn't even know about it until recently, you know, when uh, I was trying to figure out what was going on uh, with uh, people working outdoors uh, during this last wildfire season. So that's definitely something that uh, we heard needs to happen uh, a lot more, just more education and more awareness about these rights so people can advocate for themselves and at least know that they can complain if they're not getting the, the, the protections that they need. Yeah. So how did the lawmakers who pushed to get this legislation passed in the first place, how did they respond to the findings of this investigation? So I'm still trying to get some, uh, you know, that's something I've been doing is like trying to contact lawmakers, you know, who... Um, who uh, are, you know, who say they like you want to protect workers and uh, who've been, you know, in, um, in, in other efforts to like, uh, you know, make sure that we're implementing uh, protections in the books. But so the main lawmaker we spoke to is Assemblymember Robert Rivas. He chairs the California Assembly's Agriculture Committee. He um, proposed a bill earlier this year uh, it was a provision in the bill that uh, would have sort of tried to fix this problem I was telling you about that Kalosha relies on farm workers to complain and other workers to complain. But then if they don't, then they, you know, do very little inspections and, um, and, and, and has, there's not a lot of enforcement of this rule. So instead of trying to, instead of doing that, these, this lawmaker wanted them to be a lot more proactive. Mm -hmm. And so what the provision in the bill was for Kalosha to establish uh, strike teams of inspectors that um, would go out to agricultural fields on smoky days when these rules are supposed to be in place uh, to see what's happening, you know? Um, but we, uh, that provision uh, was taken out. It was deleted in the legislative process. Um, and documents we saw uh, show that it was Governor Gavin Newsom's administration that opposed it. it. There's a labor and workforce development agency, which is the big labor agency in the state. It um, oversees Kalosha. And so uh, internal, internal documents from them uh, you know, show that show them requesting amendments to this bill, taking mm. out the, the strike team provision. Did those documents say why? So we don't know exactly why. We tried to, um, we asked, you know, to speak with, um, we tried to get comment from Governor Gavin Newsom's press office and the LWDA, and they didn't want to talk to us. Mm. Uh, what we've heard, uh, you know, from experts and you know, labor experts and other people in the field is that, you know, Kalosha has been, uh, understaffed, chronically understaffed for many years. Of course, we've had this pandemic, you know, that's still ongoing. And, and the pandemic, you know, started like in, you know, 2020, it's been like more than like a year and a half. 
of, of these smoke rules, you know, um, like the period of pandemic. And so, um, so the, the agency has been overwhelmed with COVID-19 complaints is what we've heard at the work site, at work sites. And, um, and so, and so they've also been struggling with this issue of uh, understaffing and, and vacancies mm. for inspectors. But I have to say, I, I, I remember reporting about this like earlier this year and their um, vacancy, vacancies were, the proportion of vacancies were a lot higher, you know, then it was like about 26% uh, earlier this year. And they have made a lot of strides in hiring inspectors. They've hired dozens of inspectors and now it's more like 16%. So, um, so we'll see, you know, what, what Kalosha uh, does, hopefully yeah. uh, to enforce this rule more. They also know you're watching now. Um, Casey, ah, yes. <laughs> Casey writes, I'm concerned about farm workers, especially migrants who may not feel empowered to complain about their working conditions mm-hmm. and have endured throughout these fires to provide us with food on our tables. At least they should get hazard pay. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Frida, that was kind of struck by in your story is the role of sort of these subcontractors, these agricultural labor uh, subcontractors, yeah. because you kind of have the big growers, but then they're kind of spreading their... Uh, the moral uh, imperatives that they have out to all these other subcontractors. What did you find out about how how that's working? Yeah, so that's a question I wanted to pursue that I didn't get to report on as much. But seemed like where you were going with it. Down for another yeah, story. Yeah. Maybe for another story. Um, so the yeah, so the trend that um, you know that that uh, we you know. Um, we saw in our reporting and also what we're hearing is happening more and more in agriculture is growers, you know, like are relying more on farm labor contractors to sort of get the the workers they need for seasonal jobs, right? So the uh, labor contractors will be the ones that will find the workers, you know, get them to the field that they're supposed to work in, pay them, tell them what to do. And then the grower just, it's like the middleman, right? The grower mm-hmm. just pays the, the farm labor contractor. And so um, what we heard from grower, uh, like uh, industry organizations like the California Farm Bureau Federation, which is the largest um, you know, organization in the state and in, in, in agriculture, um, they said you know, that they're working really hard to try to um, educate agricultural employers, including some farm labor contractors, about the rules and how to comply and to help them comply because they've also seen a lot of challenges. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there weren't enough, you know, N95 masks, you know, uh, to, to, to go around when most of the supply was going to hospitals and first responders and medical professionals, right? And so they had trouble getting that, uh, those, that equipment as well. But, um, but so with the farm labor contractors, uh, what I've, I've heard advocates say, especially is that, you know, a lot of these farm labor contractors, they're smaller operations. Um, maybe some of them are more fluent in Spanish than in English, you know, still. Mm-hmm. And so that they, they might not even know about <laughs> these rules as well, or uh, might not, you know, know what to do about it. You know, when things, when things, um, when they're supposed to, uh, you know, take these steps to protect workers. But you know, what I saw when I went out in the fields in in Fresno and what I was doing is sort of like what this um, lawmaker was telling Kalosha to do, which is just drive around. Drive around and see, yeah. Stop at a field where people are working and then like just go talk talk to to them and see what's happening, right. Check out Farida's story. It's on KQED, Uh, California failed to protect outdoor workers. We've been talking about that investigation with Farida Javala Romero, 
reporter with KQED and NPR's California Newsroom. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Farida. Thank you, Alexis. Yeah. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.